Well, good morning one more time. Those who are in the room and worshiping online, can we make some noise for Jesus real quick before we jump into this? So good to see each and every one of you in the house. Listen, I just have to say this before I get into the message. When uh, Sierra said, look at somebody and say you look good, all the men were like, you look good. I don't know if I really want to say this, but you look good, bro. It's a good time to be able to be in church and laugh and have a good time because when we come into this place, sometimes we're so stuck up. We have so many things going on, but God wants us to have fun. He wants us to enjoy, and he wants us to laugh. So why don't you do me this favor? Look at the person next to you and just smile. Just smile. Don't you feel better? Don't you feel better? Amen. Well, before I jump into the message, I have to do this. I'm going to take a uh, pastoral privilege uh, in this moment. Today is a special day. Today is a day where all the earth stopped and God said, I'm going to create a woman named Kendra Moman. I want to celebrate my baby's mama, Pastor Dr. Kendra Moman, on her birthday today. Baby, I love you. You look great always. Can you stand up real quick and just wave at the people? He that findeth a wife findeth a great thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I am very much a favorite man, and I thank God for you, baby. Happy birthday. Listen, I want to jump into the message. I'm trying to stay focused here because she's looking good over there. But as we jump into this message today, I do want to let you know it's really good to see each and every one of you. We have people here from near and far, and we have a lot that God wants to say and to do, and I believe he's already started to speak even during the worship. But I want to kind of jump into it by asking this question, and the question is simply this. How many of us in the room, by a show of hands, like to be rewarded, like to be rewarded? Now, some of you are looking at me like, I know this is a trick question, so I'm not going to even go with you right now. It's not a trick question. It's not a quick trick question. Listen, whether you're someone who uh, has earned something or you've accomplished something, or even if you just woke up this morning, especially when we come come and talk about birthdays, we expect to be rewarded. When we show up, you know, if you wake up on the morning and it's your birthday and somebody doesn't give you a gift, you're like, what's wrong with you? I already took care of her. Thank you, baby. But what I'm saying here is that a lot of us like to be rewarded. We watch game shows because we like to be rewarded. We like to watch reality TV when we cheer for people who are being rewarded. Why? Because in some form of fashion, it is in our DNA, it is hardwired into us to be rewarded. As a matter of fact, God actually created us this way, whether you know it or not. And generally speaking, there is a reward center in our brain that gets activated when we get a reward. Now, I know we have a lot of doctors and uh, psychologists and things in here, and so y'all will fact check me later if I get this wrong. But I do want to say this. When we receive rewards, there's this chemical called dopamine that's released, and it's called the pleasure hormone. It's the one that describes what we feel like when we get something that we enjoy. And as I was actually researching and preparing for this, I came across this term that I wanted to share with you today. And this term described is called incentive salience. Incentive salience. It simply says this, incentive salience is a cognitive process that grants a desire or want attribute which includes a motivational component to a rewarding stimulus. It is driven by both a physiological state as well as previously learned associations about a reward cue. In short and in layman's terms, what this simply means is that when we get rewarded, we naturally want more. 
And when we get rewarded and we want more, we therefore seek it out. And so what it's simply saying is that when we get these things, we now say, okay, how can I get more of that? How can I feel that again? And what I want to say in this moment, and I want to let the pressure off of some of us that may feel like maybe I want to be rewarded too much, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be rewarded. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be rewarded. Why? Because God actually created us this way. It's nothing wrong with being rewarded as long as we're not misappropriating where we want the reward to come from. And we've been spending a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, even through the chapters of Matthew chapter 6 and 7, he starts to talk about rewards. And so I just want to read a couple of those things just to bring it back to light. And he tells us how we should seek rewards and who we should seek them from. Turn to the Version Bible app or your physical Bible if you have it to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus says this, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the what? From your Father in heaven. In verse 4, he says this, give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will do what? He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all of the they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your father who sees everything will do what? Verse 16 says it like this. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair. Please comb your hair. (laughs) Wash your face. Please get that dry eye out of there. And then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will. If you're paying attention or even if you're not, you see a recurring theme here. It's rewards. And over and again, we see a tendency to want to be rewarded. But what it's actually pointing out here is that sometimes we want to reward ourselves instead of waiting on God to reward us. The reason that is is because even as I've been saying over the last several weeks, we absolutely live in an immediate gratification society. So what we want to do while being rewarded is natural and that feeling is natural, we are always trying to see how can I do something to provoke a reward from someone else instead of making sure that I'm doing certain things in private where God will reward me. And if we're not careful, what we'll find ourselves doing is performing for people in the name of Jesus. We'll start finding ourselves, even in church, lifting our hands, doing certain things, and God is saying, are you doing that for me, or are you doing that for your neighbor? You brought your man or your boo to church today. Are you trying to show them that you're spiritual, or are you really going after me right now? And so we need to be careful to make sure that these things that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, giving, fasting, praying, That they are benefits and there are things that we do, but we have to make sure that we don't cross over into this place of religion when it's supposed to be about relationship. Because if we're not careful, we will quickly do these things and allow pride to come in because we're trying to perform. And so what I need us to know is that when we give with godly motivation, when we pray unto the Lord, And when we fast, our reward that we're actually seeking, listen to this, is actually Jesus. 
The reward that we are actually seeking, that we really should be about looking to get, is Jesus. And so when you look into the Bible and you see even in Genesis 15, God said to Abram, he says, I am your exceeding great reward. Say this with me. Say, God, God. you are are. my exceeding great reward. Come on, say it one more time with your chest. Say, God, God. you are are. my exceeding great reward. And so if that's the case, and he's our exceeding great, great reward, what we know is that intimacy and relationship with God is our goal. Intimacy and relationship with God is our goal. And so today, as I've kind of set the tone, today I want to deal with a subject that everyone gets excited about its benefits. It's one of the most impactful, powerful, uh, most talked about subjects in the Bible. It's dealt with over 70 times in the Bible, and it is actually a very perfect thing to talk about with this hot weather outside, where we're attending our barbecues with all the good food, we're hitting our pool parties, and we're really making sure that we are ready even to get our last little vacations in before school starts. Somebody say amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk about fasting. Now, as soon as I just said that, some of y'all countenance just changed all the way. You just, Holy Spirit just left. Some of y'all are like, bruh, don't you know it's summertime? I got my steaks. I have my chicken on the big green egg waiting on me at the house. I already have my brunch plans. Let me give you good news. You can let your shoulders down. The fast doesn't start until tomorrow. Some of y'all are like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. But I do want to talk about this because we need to make sure that we understand that fasting is something that Jesus actually assumes that as a believer we're already doing. We've been saying this over and over again, that everything in the Sermon of the Mount is, is set up in a way that he's speaking as if you're already in the way. He's speaking as if you are already doing this. And so since you already are doing this, look at somebody and say, I know you're already fasting. Come on, turn to your other choice, turn to your second choice and say, I know you're already fasting. So I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to your neighbor right now. But I want to just quickly bring us all together because there may be some people, I believe there's some people who want to start a new uh, way of fasting even today. So let me explain what that is. Fasting is actually defined as this, the willful abstaining from natural pleasures for a spiritual purpose. It also means that it's a personal commitment to renounce the natural to invoke the spiritual. And then thirdly, it's the dedication to a period of time to devote oneself to spiritual priority of prayer without food. Now, as soon as I say that and we start to talk about it, because I have a lot of conversations with those who uh, attend here at Victory Midtown, I know not you, but your flesh is actually looking at me with the side eye right now. Your flesh is like, man, I don't even know if I want to hear this right now. I don't know if I really want to engage in this thing you're talking about with fasting, but I just encourage you just to stay with me for a moment. Because we always have a tendency to actually allow our bodies and our flesh to dictate what we will even do sometimes in the spirit. We come up with excuses and our our bodies and our flesh starts to talk to us and say stuff like, especially for those who are into fitness and you're into bodybuilding, you're like, well, I can't fast because I need a certain amount of protein. I see y'all out there. Let me show you something real quick. Put that picture on the screen. (laughs) This is an example of the fact that you don't have to eat meat and do all these things all the time. All my vegans in the house, y'all are like, tell it, pastor. Say it. I'm not being one who's trying to promote being a vegan or anything, but I'm just letting you know that gorilla is jacked. (laughs) And he doesn't eat meat. He eats vegetables and fruit. 
So I'm letting you know that it's attainable. You can do it. And it's just something for us to actually go towards. But here's what I want you to know. Biblical fasting, it does involve abstaining from food. But when we're talking about fasting, it doesn't just limit you to that. For some of us, you might not necessarily fast food, but you might need to fast media. For some of us, we need to fast social media, Twitter, IG, threads, whatever you're on. For some of us, we need to actually fast the Netflix and the chill. Stop meddling, pastor. Stop meddling. But all in all, there are things that we can fast because we are really trying to make sure that we are making sure our bodies and our flesh is decreasing so our spirit can increase. So there are many benefits to spiritual fasting. There are all these things, but there are also benefits to actual physical fasting. I have some fitness enthusiasts in the house today, and I want to let you know, here are some of those things. You actually can regulate your body through that. You can actually get better blood pressure through that. You can actually uh, decrease inflammation in your body. But with all those things, that's not really what we're after. We're after the fullness of what God wants to do. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so here's what I want us to get. Whether you realize it or not, there's a part of you that actually wants to fast. There's a part of you that wants to fast. How can I say that so confidently? I want to say it like Jesus said. He said to the people, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And if we're really honest, there are times where we know we have a yearning in our spirit for more. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't have a yearning in your spirit for more. You wouldn't have come, gone through traffic, got into the gravel lot, took the shuttle, done all those things if you did not want your spirit to grow in strength. But my question is, when I made that statement, which part of that statement hits you the hardest that you can bear witness with more? Your spirit is willing or my flesh is weak? It's a rhetorical question because if we're really honest, a lot of times we bear more witness with our flesh being weak than our spirit being strong. And too many times our flesh dictates how we operate. What am I talking about? You wake up in the morning, it's not prayer first, it's coffee first. It's not prayer first, it's IG first. We wake up in the morning, it's not scripture first, it's email first. It's not casting your cares upon the Lord, it's taking on the cares of the world by trying to figure out what's going on in the news. And it's important that we understand the priority of actually building ourselves strong in the spirit. Watch this, because if your spirit is not strong, you will be subject to a stronghold. Let me say that one more time. If your spirit is not strong, you will be subject to a stronghold. And so I'm going to slow this down today because this message today is not a hype message. It's to incite you to change. It's really so that we can really grow, and there's going to be some things you have to catch and receive the benefit of it. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is anything you believe you cannot stop doing. The Hebrew translation says it's an inaccessible place. I like to say it like this. It's a place where God has not been given access to. So my question to us all is as we think about strongholds, where is the place in your life where God has not been given access to? Where is the place in your life where you feel like you're going on a cycle time after time after time after time? You do good for about a month and then you fall back into the same things. That might be a stronghold. Because the reality is that some habits can also become strongholds. And so as we're talking about fasting, we need to know and acknowledge a couple things. This first thing that I want you to acknowledge is that 
Our spirit is very willing, but a lot of time it's not leading. Our spirits are very willing, but a lot of times it's not what's leading. And so if you even think about this in your own life, how many decisions have you made even this week, even this morning, that has been guided by your desires instead of what God said? How many things have we chosen to do and that we choose to do on a regular basis that are more likely to be done because we feel a certain way? Whether it's we feel offended, so we're going to respond like this. We feel disqualified, so we have to show up and try to bear up. God says, I want you to know that your spirit needs to lead you, not your flesh. And a lot of times what we see is that even the disciples, they had times where they were very willing, but their flesh actually failed them. You know the story when Jesus asked him to go and pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went away and he said, hey, I just need you to stay right here and pray for a little while. He came back three times and they was hitting the snooze button. As a matter of fact, I think that's where they first got the term, you slept on me. Because I believe that as he was saying, okay, you said you're with me. I know you said you're spiritual. Now I want to test you in this and say, hey, I need you to intercede on my behalf. But can I really count on the strength of your spirit over the power of your flesh? And that's the question that many of us have to ask because as we look at this, the most important part of us a lot of times is neglected. I want you to say this. Say, I'm a spirit being. I have a soul. And I'm wrapped up in a body. Say it one more time. Say, I'm a spirit being. I have a soul. And I'm wrapped up in a body. Why is that important? It's important for us to know that there are competing things with the Spirit of God trying to lead you. And too many times we see our flesh and our soul leading us, and Satan, the devil, whatever name and attribute you want to give him today, he has set up the world around us to feed more of our flesh than our spirit. And what we need to make sure we're very clear about, and I believe that you have this understanding, is that it is not our goal to pacify our flesh, but it's our goal to purify our hearts. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says it like this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I believe that as I was praying through this message for you, that I'm in a room, there are people watching online right now that would say, I want my heart pure. I want to see God, and I want my spirit to be strong, and I want my spirit to lead. But we have to do some things, and fasting is the way that we accomplish that. So, so let me say this. I mentioned already there are benefits both spiritually and physically to fasting. But my question that I want to pose before I give you some practical application is this, and hear me. What would change about your life if the spirit was leading you? What would change about your life if you wouldn't acquiesce to how you feel, but you would press into what the Spirit is saying that you need to yield to? How would you navigate? How would you deal with people? How would you show up at work? How would you show up in your home if your spirit was leading and you didn't give yourself a pass and an excuse to operate in your flesh? I want to share just a few powerful truths that God gives us through Jesus that tells us what fasting would do so that our spirit can lead. Number one, when you fast, it will develop your character. When you fast, it will develop your character. See, as Christ followers, we are called to emulate Christ, to, to have the character of Christ. And when we look at Christ in his life, he was obedient to God to the point of death. 
And what I know is that's a hard thing because there are a lot of things that we want to do because we have been born into a sin nature. But that's not the end of the story. The good news is, is that while we were born into a sin nature, we can be born again. And when we're born again, which many of you in this room are, when we're born again, what we have to do is know that while my spirit has been born again, I still live in this body. And I have to reprogram my flesh to make sure that it's not higher than the strength of my spirit. But it takes intentionality to take time to say, God, I'm going to submit my flesh, even the things that I really have urges to do, to actually do what you say I should be doing. Because as I think about this, and if we're really transparent in this room, we'll say things like, yeah, you know, I'm spiritual. I want God to bless me. I want to be in his will, but not all the time. And so what's happening is when we're led by our flesh, our character starts to show it. And we say things like this. We say things like, I'm redeemed, but I'm still ratchet. (laughs) We say things like, I'm single, I'm saved, but nothing's wrong with just a little sex every now and again. Because God knows my heart. He, He knows that I have desires. He knows that I have need. I know it's tight, but it's right in here. We say things like, I'm holy, but if you push me, you can still get these hands. <laughs> Let me do a heat check in the room. Some of your anthem is, don't push me because I'm More of y'all know that song, and y'all are like, I'm not saying that in church. <laughs> the reality is we battle with our character, with our flesh and our spirit, day by day, moment by moment. Can I get an honest church in this place? That there are things that we are having a tension and a tug of war with that God is saying, I want you to get free from the things that have been trying to drive you in the flesh because I want you to get the benefits of what I have for you in the spirit. And so, as I said, I'm kind of slowing this down and just teaching this right now because when we fast, what happens is that our fast actually develops our character to pass test of the flesh. Our character is being developed so that we can pass test of the flesh. I, I told us this a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about the fact that Jesus, when he was before he actually started his ministry, he was tempted by the devil, tested by the devil. And he had these tests of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And a lot of things that we navigate through, they are tests. Let me be very clear. God never tempts you. If you're being tempted, that's the devil or that's your flesh. But he will test you. Why does he test you? Because he wants to know that there are some things in you that need to be worked out before I put you in a next level of promotion. And many of us are wondering why we go into this cycle. We keep going around the same thing over and over again, getting tested with the same thing over and over again. And God is saying, I am testing you because I have something greater for you, but I'm not going to let you in unauthorized. And so these tests that we need to navigate through actually allows us to be able to say fasting is something that will enhance my awareness so that my full dependence is on God. When you look back into that story where Jesus was tempted by the enemy, we see that he was able to answer the enemy with what was written by God. He was able to answer the enemy with those things that he knew. He heard the voice of God more than he heard the voice of the enemy. Even when he was tempting him with things that he really could have just grabbed because they were actually feeding his ego, feeding his flesh. 
And so his character, how he would respond, was tested, but he was able to depend on the truth of the word of God. And I want you to hear this. This fast and this testing that happened to Jesus, I said it once, it happened before he launched into his ministry. Because God said, I need to set an example that before promotion comes testing. Say this with me. Before promotion comes testing. One more time. Before promotion comes testing. There's something that God is trying to work out of us. James 1 Verse 2 through 4 says it like this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Can you say this with me? I know I'm having you participate with me, but I need you to get this in your spirit. Say, I will will. pass this test. Come on, say it. I will Pass this test. Each and every one of us has a test that God wants us to pass. And we have to be those who say, I'm going to do it, because I believe that fasting is the cheat code to the test. Fasting is the accelerator in, in the mind of God. When he tells you to pray about something, he's saying, yeah, prayer is good. I've given you the, fa- the form and fashion to pray. But when you fast, you've now tapped into my super in the midst of your natural. And so fasting is so important because it does these things. Fasting is the proving ground for your character. Fasting will prepare you to deal with the tempter. Fasting helps you to go from independence to dependence. And his spirit will allow you to make it through any test. And so I want to say this, and this is in your notes. Dave Clayton says it like this. He says, the main focus of fasting is not about what we let go, but it's of who we let take hold of us. The main focus of fasting, it's not about what we let go. It's not about the food. It's not about the desserts. It's not about the social media. It's us saying, God, I am letting go so that you can have full control of my life because I've tried it on my own and I know it doesn't work. And so I want to ask this question. Have you learned the lesson that you need to learn that God is trying to develop in your character? Or are we still keeping ourselves in self-check mode? Are we still keeping ourselves at one level of promotion when God is saying, I have more for you? The benefits don't stop here because as fasting gives us a reward to a character upgrade, number two, fasting develops our faith. Fasting develops our faith. A very familiar passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus comes down from the mountain to his disciples and a big crowd was right there waiting for him. I want you to check this out. It's a little bit longer of a scripture, but I need to read it to give us context. Chapter 17, verse 14 says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, and they they needed to get a little intel. They said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. 
For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith, somebody say, if you have faith. If you have faith faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Here's the part of the scripture that we kind of get hung up on and I want to dig into. However, this kind, somebody say this kind. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Can I get you to lean in for this particular part right here? Come on. Those who are new, just lean in with me. I need to see your eyeballs. Those who are watching online, I need you to lean in as well. Those in the overflow, lean in with me as well. Here's what I want us to know. This thing grabbed me so tough while I was working on this message. I grabbed this thing and I said, we have to talk about this. Jesus said that they could not cast the demon out because of their unbelief. But we have gotten in the church stuck on this kind. And so what happens a lot of times, we say this kind of demon cannot come out by prayer prayer and fasting. And what Jesus is saying right there is that the reason why he couldn't be delivered is because your faith was lacking, because you had unbelief. And he said, the thing that will come out when you fast and pray is now you will start to understand that when you actually face what looks to be insurmountable, you won't let this big thing in your vision take the place of the big God that you say you believe. But what we do so many times is we try to appropriate something. What if God was talking about this kind of demon? Listen, you're going to face some demons. You're going to face some devils. And I will guarantee you, when you face that devil, you do not have time to say, hold on, I need to go fast. (laughs) But we need to live a fasted lifestyle so that our faith is being developed so that when the demon comes in the name of another person, when the demon comes through your coworker, through your boss, you're able to say, no, I have faith that this will come out because I believe what the word says. And so what really happened in this moment is that they let the problem at hand become more of a reality than the God they say they believed. Let's not judge them. How many things in our lives do we go through? It might not be a demon, but what kind of challenge has come up in your life where you say, I don't really know if I can get past this. I don't really know if I have enough faith. God has already told you that you can. And even in the same instance, Jesus was not talking about the demon because he had already told them in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that I give you power over the demon. I give you power over the devil. And so God is not contradicting himself. And I need to say this to some people in the room. Stop giving the devil so much credit. Stop giving the devil so much credit. You have authority. You have the power that has already been given to you. But what we need to do is to make sure that we appropriate that power. Amen? Amen. So here's the thing. There are things, even in this room, that all of us have been desperately dealing with that the problem has actually dwarfed your faith in God. And I'm here to let us know that when that has happened, it's time to fast. When that's happened, it's time for you to actually fast so that you can make sure that you are in line with what God says. But I need you to write this statement down because this is a misnomer in the body of Christ sometimes. Fasting does not change God or what he does. Let me just pause right here for a second. Fasting does not change God or what he does. Why can I say that? Because if fasting in itself was just to change God and what he does, that means it will be works-based. That means now we can do things it's like, oh, it's a genie in a bottle type of situation, and now God's going to respond because I posture myself like this. What fasting does is it changes you. 
It changes you and allows you to be sensitive to what he's already doing and your position in place in that what he's doing. So let me say it again. I need you to write this down to remember it even later. Fasting does not change God or what he does, but it changes you and your ability to be sensitive to what he's doing and your place in it. I want to say it like this. Fasting allows you to get in touch with your spiritual side. You hear people saying stuff like, you need to get in touch with your feminine side. I'm like, I want to get in touch with my spiritual side because when I'm in touch with my spiritual side, the Holy Spirit makes sure I'm sensitive to all the things on every side. But when we don't do that, what we do is that we yield more to our flesh than yielding to the Spirit. Write this statement down. The enemy will obey your words when you learn to obey God's word with faith. The enemy will obey your words because you're not just talking about your words. He will obey your words when you learn to obey God's words with faith. And so when you fast, you're rewarded with the clarity of how to appropriate your faith, which leads me to the last thing that's most important. Number three, when we fast, it deepens your passion. When we fast, it deepens your passion. Now, I want to just go ahead and give a precursor. When I was preparing this particular point in the message, the Lord gave me just a couple things that I need to say directly to this room, even as a warning shot for some people, that God sees how you're navigating, and he's saying, I want you to heed my voice and not harden your heart. My question is that how many times do you lose passion and allow other things that are distracting to satisfy you when God should be satisfying? How many times have you let other things of the world kind of get into the place of what only God should be living? Revelation chapter uh, 2, verse 4 says it like this. Jesus said this heavy statement that I never want to hear him say to me. He said, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, Turn away from your wicked ways. I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the the churches. Here's what I felt like the Lord was just pressing me to say. We cannot allow our appetite for things of the flesh and the world around us to rob us of our appetite for Jesus. That may sound so, so simple, but many of us, if we're really honest, we have more passion for the things of the world than the things of God. We have more passion for the things that feed us and give us immediate gratification than what God is actually trying to build in us. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the man who trusts him. By a show of hands, do you want to be someone who's known as someone who trusts God? Come on. Blessed is the man who trusts him. And what I want to say to us is that God is so good, but a lot of times what we do is that we will miss something that's good in front of us because we have our attention on something that's passing by. And as I was preparing this message, this is a PSA to even married couples in the room. There are some people that don't realize that you're missing the spouse that was your first love. There's some of us that miss the person, the friend that was with us from the beginning because we're so distracted looking at other things, trying to get our flesh satisfied that we overlook the person who has been there all along. That might not be for you, but that's for somebody in this room. And husbands and wives, here's that PSA. Husbands and wives, sometimes we actually build our lives and lean into the fantasy version of someone 
instead of really leaning into the person that God has given us as our first love. And so that's just an analogy for us to understand that in all we do, we need to make sure that we keep our eyes on the prize. Say, keep my eye on the prize. We need to keep our eyes on the prize because God is committed to you and we don't want to be distracted. Matthew 5, 6, as I get ready to close. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. As we look at this word fasting, the New Testament word is actually translated as one who is empty. Fasting literally means one who is empty. And so what fasting does, and why I'm challenging all of us to take a step to actually engage in this in this season, fasting allows you to empty out of things that would have your affection in this flesh so that you can start to find satisfaction in what God has made available to you in the spirit. But if we don't actually lean into that, we will miss it. And so my question as we close, what are we longing for more than anything? Are we longing for the things in the immediate? Are we longing for the things in the flesh? Are we longing for the things that speak to our ego? Or are we really longing and having a passion for God? When you have passion for someone, you saw me even do it at the beginning of the service, you talk that talk. When you have passion for someone, you speak to them in a way where you're trying to communicate that I love you and I thank God for you. Here's a way that we can start to talk to God. It's found in Psalm 84. Verse 1 says this, how lovely is your dwelling place. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than to live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory, and the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Here's what I want to say. Listen, I know this is not something that we necessarily get excited about, but I guarantee you, if we can get this truth and start to lean into the principles that God has set up for us, our flesh will start to decrease and our spirit will increase. Because when we fast, we're not saying, God, look at me or let me have works and do something that gets you to move. We're saying, I'm putting myself in proximity so that my intimacy with you could actually be what's proven. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. As you bow your head, what we're doing is that we're taking time to build ourselves and to fortify ourselves so that we have more confidence in God's ability versus our ability. This call to fast is not really trying to take something from you. It's trying to get something to you, and that's proximity and intimacy with the Father. And so if you're in this room right now and you're even hearing what I'm saying, and some of it even seems a little hard and unrealistic, like you can't do it, but you're saying, I want my spirit to lead. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. So not only when I die, I go to heaven, but also while I live this life, I'm able to walk in the abundance of what he has prepared for me. If you're in here and you say today, I want to make a decision for Jesus and I want to start to live in his way. With every head bowed, can you just put your hand up in the air? I see hands going up all over the room. 
all over the room. You can put your hand down. Victory Midtown, I want you to pray with me and pray with these that are making this decision. Because without a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can't do any of what I talked about. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your sacrifice where you died on the cross for my sins. Today I repent, which means I don't want to walk by my flesh. I don't want to walk in my way, but I want to walk according to your way. So I turn from my way of doing things, and I turn towards your way. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, help me to live for God. Today, I make a decision to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And from this day on, I can declare that I'm a child of God, and I will live in eternity with him. In Jesus' name, I'm saved. Amen, amen, amen. You can clap it up right quick. We thank God for each and every one of you that made that decision today. It literally is the best decision you can ever make. And and as I give the closing even for this sober moment, I want to invite many of you who have never fasted before to join us in this fast. We're fasting for five days. It starts in the morning, so go get your ribs after this. We're going to get our ribs after this. But I really want to encourage you Try God in this. If it's not food, do something that's been a stronghold. If it's not food, do something that's been taking your energy and your focus away from the things of God. And for five days, I guarantee you, you'll start to see clarity. You'll start to grow in your intimacy with God. And I believe life change will happen for you. Amen? God bless you, Victory. We'll see many of you tonight at Thirst. Can we also celebrate those who just prayed?